Welcome back to another episode of Suncast, the official podcast of Somos Unidos News and your source for the latest your source for the latest news on New Mexico United. My name, of course, is Seth Benoff. Joining me tonight is Jacob Terrell and Earl Nieto. Guys, you know, we are a source for New Mexico United, but there's been a lot of stuff going on in the sports world. Uh, first and foremost, I want to bring it up. Everton defeated Spurs last week in the FA Cup in a nine-goal thriller. Jacob said he didn't get a chance to watch it. He is absolutely missing out. Uh, I, I can't complain about that match. I mean, it was it was definitely one of those clinchers. You know, you're sitting there on the edge of your seat just hoping, just hoping that it turns out in your favor, and it did for Everton. And uh, fantastic day for us there. And Jacob is uh, probably not too happy about this for me how, right now. So. How, how are you going to start there when <laughs> – what has also happened since the last time we talked Don't was my Tampa there. Bay, Don't you, my you Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Guy? How do you meet this guy? <laughs> won the Super Bowl Tampa for the Bay. second time in their history. Oh, the second time in my which, life. Actually, speaking oh, of yes. which, weren't oh, we just um, weren't we just a couple weeks ago raving about Patricia Mahomes? Okay, you can't <laughs> see. <laughs> you put me in a weird position here, Earl, because. <laughs> I still think he's he's the best quarterback in the league right now. He didn't have any time. He had he zero touchdowns. Time. He had no touchdowns. He didn't have either. any time. <laughs> he had zero time. It was like hike. And, oh, I'm getting tackled. Hike. Oh, I'm and, getting tackled. And like six pass and like six completed passes. Um, I would love to pull up the stats and just well, and where can can I ask where Baker Mayfield was though? Oh, he was the same place as my Dallas Cowboys. They're probably camping out okay. together. <laughs> All right. So, hey, hey Earl, so, I gotta ask: Have you have you seen the meme where uh, the NFL has decided that uh, they're no longer going to let any team have home field advantage? Have you heard about this? No. 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 Okay. So, in an effort to to make sure that no team has home field advantage, they're going to move the Super Bowl to Dallas every year. Hmm. <laughs> So, uh, but no, in, in terms of Patrick Mahomes, like, you know, I, I, I think we can still definitively say he's one of the best quarterbacks in the league. Now, if you look at the Super Bowl specifically, he, I think he was missing what four of his starting linemen and he legitimately had zero time. I mean, there was a stat that showed that he was pressured on something like 59% of his dropbacks, which is absolutely insane. And Tom Brady was like pressured on like six passes or something. Which is just dumb, but it was, it was, it was twenty nine pressures for Mahomes and four for Brady. And Brady was sacked once. Mahomes was sacked four times. Yeah, it was just an insane stat. I'm not. What I'm not doing this week is I'm not rehashing the crazy Earl take. So I will say that Mahomes had a bad game. He's still one of the best, but he's not the best because the best. Is Tom Brady? Yeah, because the best actually scored touchdowns in a Super Bowl. Well, he's he's also won seven Super Bowls. So now, granted, it was only one for my team. The other six were for a team that I can't stand. But um, still, I it was it was pretty awesome to see. And as for Tottenham and Everton, I don't care. <laughs> Can we just talk yeah, about I mean, Super Bowl I, commercials all night? Super. There was dude, only like two worth talking about. The only one that I liked There's was the uh, the end game, the end game parody one with the Bud Light commercial. That one was okay. I thought the Hot Cheeto one was my favorite one by far with Ashton Kutcher and 
Mia Kunitz and and uh, oh, what's the guy's name? Who I don't think I caught song? that one. The it wasn't me. Oh, oh uh, Shaggy. Shaggy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was the that Shaggy was my commercial. favorite commercial by far, by far. It was hilarious. Where has Shaggy been? Like, yeah. how much money did they have to pay him for him Retired. to come out and do that? <laughs> that's I thought. It, that's why I thought it was great. There was that one. The Eminem one was pretty funny, where mm-hmm. they were giving out bags of Eminems to say I'm sorry. So she was like, "I'm sorry, you're. I'm sorry, I called you Karen." And she yeah. was like, "My name is Karen." And then she's like, "I'm My sorry, name really your name is Karen." Karen. <laughs> I thought yeah, that one honestly, was like, I, I don't know. I look at it and I, you know, look at Super Bowls in the past. I think the these commercials were nowhere near as good as previous years. Like, there's nothing that really like sticks out. I feel like I've said that every year since I've like become an adult. <laughs> like, I think every year I'm just like, oh, these commercials weren't near as good as the last years. And then the next year comes and I'm like, oh, these near these commercials weren't near as good as last years. And then next year comes and so on and so forth. Well, I'm sure they had certain. No, this year's. I think there's certain limitations this year due to COVID and whatnot and what they could or couldn't do with, with filming and things like that. And, you know, that might be part of it, but yeah, like ever since like the late nineties, early two thousands, like the commercials have just gotten worse. Like there's not really like a, a catch that, you know, catchphrase or a catchy thing that comes out of it. And I don't know, like I watched part of it. I watched, well, I mean, I watched most of the Super Bowl. I turned it off like at the fourth quarter. Um, but I have to say commercials aside, the the play aside um what the heck was that halftime show who is the weekend what I, is the it was weekend? the worst halftime show i've ever watched in my life you're the only two people that have said that i thought everybody, everybody else that i've talked to essentially everybody else that i've talked to has thought it was was good i i have no idea i didn't watch it i listened to it but i didn't watch it the only thing the, the only reason why I love it, what are you doing, Earl? Are you going through an earthquake? I, I'm imitating the weekend's halftime show. <laughs> uh, okay. That's good. That's good. That's a good one. That was the best thing to come out of that halftime show was that meme of him walking through the maze, though. Yeah. And all of the memes that have come out of that little clip of him going, <laughs> I those those crack me up. It's almost as good as the John Travolta one where he's kind of looking around, you know, not really sure where he's at. But no, like... Honestly, I would have rather watched Earth, Wind, and Fire again than that guy. I don't. I still don't understand how how we're talking about a defense that was absolutely fantastic through the playoffs, and a quarterback that's the greatest of all time. And you're wanting to talk about the weekend's halftime show. I just don't get it. I think it's deflecting. I think you don't. I think you want to take anything that was brings me happiness and just. You started off with Tottenham versus Everton, Everton for Christ's sake. You just you would just want to smash me down. That's all you're doing. I would, I would much rather watch Janet Jackson and Justin Timberlake again. Well, that's what gave us all the safe ones. <laughs> that's when the I safe stopped ones, uh, doing the anything safe interesting. Ones, the safe ones weren't that bad though. Like I I think that we've had some good ones in the last few years, not like awesome, but decent. This one, I, I'm just not a like. I know the weekend. I was singing that yes. I can't feel my face when it's this cold on Monday, but um, <laughs> when I saw that it was the weekend, I asked I asked Aaron. I said, "Who's?" I said, "What is the weekend?" Like, who is the band? She's like, "Oh, it's not a band. It's a person." I was like, "Wait, what? Why would you?" That's like you know walking into WWE and calling yourself you know the Miz. 
or so I didn't, you know <laughs> something like I that. Since I didn't watch it, he didn't have any special guests, did he? No. No. Other than See, the, he had the the jock face, the jock strap face. Right. Right. But no, no, like uh, nobody else came out and sang, like a surprise no. or anything, which yeah, like is a, kind of unusual. Like, he had a choir behind him at one point, but other than yeah. that, yeah. That, like you, you almost always have at least, at least two people, that perform. Like last year, it was was last year Shakira and J Lo. Yep. Yeah. The greatest halftime show of all time. I, I don't even care about the singing part. <laughs> so. So like you had that, and then you—it seems like there was always like weird cameos and and multiple people, and then this year was just whatever. But the game was fantastic. I celebrated pretty good. The the um so Earl or Seth's not on Facebook, but Earl, did you see the post that I put of the mic'd up video that NFL Films puts out? Um, uh, I want to say no. yes. Okay. So, but you didn't watch it, obviously. So, so NFL Films every year after the Super Bowl puts out a, it's basically like forty to fifty minute video of the Super Bowl, and like that game flow and everything like that. But they cut it with mic'd up players and coaches throughout, mm. and it's the best thing that comes out of the Super Bowl every year. Like you watch it and you get to watch. The only thing that I was upset about was they didn't put the the dust up between Brady and Matthew in there. They didn't put what was said there, which was kind of disappointing, but, but they still, they still show everything. And then it, it was funny to me after the game, um, Mike Evans, who's been there since he was drafted seven years ago is standing there talking to Gronk. And he's like, I can't believe this. I can't believe you guys came to Tampa. You guys came to Tampa to do this. And when he did this and he was just like a little kid, all excited. So, if you get a chance, if you have 40 extra minutes to spare whenever one of these days, which, let's be honest, both of you are working from home, so I know you do. Actually, I know at some I, point throughout the day I, you could. I'm working in the office, but I'm a state employee, so I got 40 extra minutes. So, yeah, exactly. There you go. <laughs> so just just kick that on, and it doesn't matter who you root for or anything. It's just – it's to me, it's awesome to see, like, the behind-the-scenes – not even behind-the-scenes, but, like, the on-the-field talk and what the players are saying and the coaches are saying in the moment and everything – I just love that stuff. So it's worth the 40 minutes if you ask me. So how do you get away with throwing the Lombardi trophy in the air on a boat? In the ocean. Yes, that was amazing. He gets away Didn't with it because he's Tom freaking Brady. Trophy a couple years ago? Yes, he did. Yes, he did. What, what, what sense does Tom Brady have trying to throw the Lombardi trophy to him? He's already broken one. What if he drops this thing in the ocean? Like, Well, you, you saw Tom Brady get off of the boat, right? No, I didn't see that. Oh, yeah, you didn't see the video of him getting off no. the boat, being helped off the boat because he had had a few too many. Yeah, um, nothing, nothing but Brady, smiles. Brady was feeling fantastic that day, so he probably I, doesn't I don't remember. Think he, he, I don't think he knows I don't, he threw it. Yeah, I don't think he cares either. Like he was just like, woo. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, all, all kidding aside, I mean, it was an interesting game to see. You know, the the Bucks defense stepped up, obviously. Um, Mahomes obviously not a great night. I I think things could have gone drastically different. I mean, <laughs> if you look at some of the replays, I mean, there were two balls that clearly went off of receivers' face masks, you know, or directly through their so, hands. And I mean, that so could have will say, changed the game. 
the the passes themselves were on the freaking money, but I give credit to the secondary on both of those plays because on both of those plays, I think the reason why they're dropped is because as the ball is coming in, a hand gets between the Chiefs player and the ball, and I think he loses sight of it until it hits him in the face. So it it wasn't perfect defense, but it was enough of a distraction to take them take the eyes off the ball, and I think that's what happened. So. It could have been different, but I think that the the defense was the secondary defense was just good enough to distract him a little bit, and that's what caused it. But I, as somebody who became a Bucks fan because they had like one of the best defenses in the league twenty years ago, it was very refreshing to watch them win the Super Bowl on the back of their defense more than anything else throughout the playoffs. Not just not just the Super Bowl, but the whole playoff run. So you're gonna hear yeah. here first. Mark mark my words on this one. JJ Watt will be a Buccaneer next year. Dude, I so hope so. As soon as he got released, I was making fun of my one of my boss well, my boss is a Pittsburgh Steelers fan. And I told him JJ Watt got released and that he was gonna be a Buck. And he was like, What? No, he's going to the Steelers because his two brothers play over there. I was like, nah, he's gonna be a buck. Watch. Reports are that, J- that JJ does not want to go to Pittsburgh. He wants to actually wants to go to Cleveland. He wants to play with one seen. of the best. Oh, Baker Mayfield. <laughs> oh gosh. So that uh you you just teed him right up for that one, didn't you? I know I did. Didn't you? <laughs> <laughs> no, I saw did something. You s- did you even see that report, Seth? Yes, I did. It okay. was, I, I saw that yeah earlier today. It was actually being talked about on the radio as well here on uh ninety five point nine here in town. Yeah, that was I haven't the- seen that report. So far, that's the one confirmed team that has contacted J.J. Watt was the Browns. Yeah, that's going to be a big offseason move. See what happens there. Uh, there's still a lot of other names that could be potentially moving. I mean, Matt Stafford going out to L.A. Um, that's a, that's a huge move there. Yeah. And two first round picks. Yeah, Matt Goff is gonna be... head and shoulders above Jared Goff. <laughs> well, Matt Stafford, you mean? Yeah, Matt is, is Matt Goff Jared's brother? What's going yeah, on? Exactly, um, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, and, and I I hate UGA. I I detest UGA. I mean, look at look at the colors I'm wearing right here, the Georgia Tech baby. But Matt Stafford is a tremendous athlete. Like he was super impressive. I actually got to see him go play, or I got to go see him play in person in Athens uh, years ago, and he is he's fantastic. I mean, I think I, if he I had don't... not been in Detroit, he would have won a Super Bowl by now. I don't. I don't want to be a dick, uh, there, Seth. But um, is there a pro player that has come from Georgia Tech? Harrison Butker. <laughs> a kicker. A kicker. <laughs> no, there yes. are quite a few. Um, <laughs> there, there have been quite a few that came from Georgia Tech. Um, uh, Green Bay. Uh, one of their cornerbacks, safeties, was a Georgia Tech grad a couple years ago. Um, and, and it's telling that you don't even know his name. <laughs> Calvin Johnson, Georgia Tech grad. Nah, okay. There you I'll go. I'll give you that one. It was 20 years ago, but I'll give you that one. <laughs> no, Tech has had quite a few guys go. Um, the problem with the, honestly, Demarius the problem with Tech is that we Thomas. ran the, the Marius Thomas went, yeah, as well. Uh, he, he had played like for the Broncos for one years. year that was good, and that was because of Peyton Manning. So that's not a name. It's a name. That's all it is. That was a name. But anyways, yeah, the Marius Thomas's career got off track. I think he went to uh, where they send him uh, the Jets, right? He went to the Jets. <laughs> 
Mm-hmm. Probably that's where all that was. That was a terrible move for him. But uh, no, I mean the problem with Tech yeah, is that the fact that they ran the the triple option for like fifteen years. Yeah. So there weren't too many recruits coming out of that. A couple guys came out. The defensive guys came out especially. Um, But I think that's going to start changing here uh, with Coach Collins. But anyway, uh, back to the Super Bowl. Um, Yeah, Bucks played well, um, put a lot of pressure on Mahomes. Mahomes made some insane throws. Um, Yeah, one of the ones that stands out to me is I think basically like was like falling down through his sidearm and it went through. When he was parallel to the ground. Yeah. Yeah. Went through Tyreek Hill's hands and him in the face that mask. That was the one right? that that was that one hit Damian Williams in the face mask. Yeah. It's just like the Tyreek Hill one was was on the other side. It's like you know these guys have got Same to make those they're, catches. They're still and, both drop passes. Yeah, and I, honestly, I don't I, think they are. But okay. But you know what's great well, about I mean, that? They're, they're in their hands. Like they they had those them. drop passes. They didn't, they didn't touch it though. They but didn't those, touch it with their hands. They touched it with their face. But those drop passes don't go against the receiver. They go against Pat Mahomes. Yeah. Yeah, honestly, I mean, it's hard. To be completely honest, it's hard to put the loss on, on Mahomes, given everything that was going on around him. Um, you know, injuries to the offensive line, guys dropping balls. I mean, he was putting – yes, the first quarter was rough. Yes, he was missing some passes. Like he was, There were a lot of incompletions there, but a lot of that had to do with the defensive pressure from the Bucs. Um, yeah, it was it was just a drastic difference in quality between offensive line and defensive line, and that's where the game was really won for the Bucks right there. That sealed it. I mean, yes, you've got Gronk, yes, you've got Brady on on one on the offensive side of the ball for the Bucks, but yeah, it was just won and lost by the by the by the by the line. So this is going to sound weird because I'm I'm the Tampa Bay fan here. I should be all jacked up to talk about the Super Bowl, but um, I'm pretty much done talking about it because we had a couple signings that I'm really excited to talk about. So I don't know what else you have on the agenda there, Seth, but if you want to go to the next thing so we can get closer <laughs> to these signings. I, I, do have another, I do have another topic for you. I, I'm sure you do. And it better not <laughs> be Tottenham. It, it, no, this one is not Tottenham, although I would not be surprised to see if their manager moves on here before too long. Um, it's Baker Mayfield. It is it, no. <laughs> uh, no, there was a tweet out, over, uh, out today. Uh, Dave O'Brien put it out. There were four different talking heads on some show on MLB Network today, and they ranked the top – they each ranked the top, their top ten players in the MLB this year or heading into spring training. Now – one of them had Nolan Arenado listed in his top ten. I gotta ask you, is Nolan just Arenado, one in the top ten? I, I I'll pull up the tweet just to make sure. But I know one of them for sure had Nolan Arenado in there. Most of them had like Mookie Betts, Mike Trout at the top, which I think is understandable. Um, I I'm kind of done with Mike Trout, but Mookie Betts is very good. Yes, he is. Um, yeah. Well, I'm pulling this up, and another. Just I don't remember too many other names. Like I said, I'll pull up the tweet here. Um, of the of these four talking heads, only one of them mentioned Ronald Acuna Jr., which I think is an absolute travesty. Um, I don't know what your thoughts on this are. Well, I'll, I'll say well, I'm going to pull this up here. Um. <clears throat> 
But yeah, it's the Braves. The Braves also are like, okay, here it is. Dan O'Dowd is Ooh. one of the guys that. Yeah, I Dan don't. O'Dowd. Dan O'Dowd used to be the GM for the Rockies. All right, he's got his top ten list: Mike Trout, Mookie Betts, Jacob Degrom, Juan Soto, Fernando Tatis Jr., Francisco Lindor, Ronald Acuna Jr., Garrett Cole, Freddie Freeman, and DJ LeMahieu. DJ. Uh, Mark Feinstein, Mookie Betts, Mike Trout, Christian Yelich, Anthony Rendon, Fernando Tatis Jr., Juan Soto, Nolan Arenado, Trevor Story, Manny Machado, Cody Bellinger, Joel Sherman, Mookie Betts, Juan Soto, Mike Trout, Tatis, DeGrom, Cole Lindor, Freddie Freeman, Bellinger, Seager, and then Brian Kinney, Trout, Betts, Tatis, Soto, Bregman, Yelich, Freeman, Garrett Cole, DeGrom, and Trevor Story. Now, you were touting a few weeks ago that Nolan Arenado is quite possibly the best third baseman of all time. Do you think he's a, among the top 10 players right now in Major League Baseball? Well, it's going to be hard to tell because he he didn't play much last year because he kind of just quit on the team and was injured. Uh, or whatever you want to say. I don't, I don't know what really happened, but he didn't play much last year. So I think people forget how amazing he is. Um, <clears throat> I would have him in the top 10 most of the time. I'm happy to see Trevor Story in a lot of those lists because Trevor Story was often overlooked um, playing with no one over there on that side of the infield. So I'm happy that's going on. But so to answer your first question or your one question, Yes, I think Nolan is a top 10 player in the MLB. But in my bigger response to talking about Major League Baseball on February 16th, um, my response is this. <sighs> Pitchers and catchers Ooh. report this week. Spring I, training is a week, like two weeks away. Yes, can we talk? I can know. we talk about the fact that Tatis is on every single one of their list? I yeah, cannot he's stand awesome. Fernando Tatis. I can't stand oh, him. Freaking love him. those old school guys? Okay. For this, this reminded me of something because, because I think I think you either love him or hate him depending on like what kind of of mindset you have towards baseball. If it's supposed to be like no fun or prim and proper, uh, or or like Puig and and those guys who are like real brash and stuff now. So so there was a play in the Super Bowl. I'm going to backtrack just a hair where <clears throat> Antoine Winfield Jr. broke up a pass on fourth down. <laughs> my wife just rolled my eyes. And then he was, I think he was about a yard away from Tyreek Hill. They were saying he was in his face, but whatever. He he did exactly what Earl's doing there. And he threw up the deuces sign. And we had, we had some words in the house that I was watching the game. And I was the only one that was perfectly okay with it and liked it. And my wife said, my wife threw out at me, if if my son did that, how would I feel? And I said, well, if he just made a play to basically win the Super Bowl, I would be fine with it. <clears throat> Especially because Tyreek's thing is, you know, when he's running on the field, that's what he does is the deuces. So, so here's the thing and, and why I'm okay with it. And I don't mean to interrupt yes, you. Yes, I knew. I knew Earl would be on my side. Here's why I... Seth, Seth's going to be the curmudgeon. It is the most welcomed... And in my opinion, the most accepted penalty in Super Bowl history. Deuces. 
The fact that Tyreek Hill, in the regular season, when the Chiefs smoked the Bucks, gave him the peace hey, sign. They won by three. Let's calm down with this one. Whatever. Well, gave him the peace well. sign. And, and did a was... backflip into the end zone. Yeah, exactly. So the fact that he picked up a penalty for doing the exact same thing, I'm okay with it. And I, and I loved it partly because he was my team, obviously, but I also just, I like when, when players' celebrations get thrown back in their face. So I thought it was fantastic. So, so like, like I said, I had no, I had no dog in the fight except in the announcer's booth because Tony Romo made it to the Super Bowl. <laughs> Finally. Finally. After, after 20 something okay. years. Wait, wait, wait. Let's curmudgeon. Let's do curmudgeon. Curmudgeon. What do you curmudgeon feel about it? Let's go. <laughs> the oldest guy on the podcast has to tear us young ones a new one. You know what? I the, There are rules in sports. There are unwritten rules in sports. Oh, don't you give know. me the unwritten rules. No. You, you, just, you know, can, can you, you don't... cut to the chase. Do you like it or not? <laughs> you know what? I'm all for trash talk. I'm all for going at each other. But, you know, when you're up by you know eight nine runs in the eighth inning you know there's no reason to swing away at three and no count you know i'm okay with them throwing the the peace sign back up at them but you know three oh up by eight runs that's, don't all, that's all i needed to hear that's all i needed to hear don't swing away so you're but but Look, i knew he would come in with this curmudgeon Tatis <laughs> is a, was a freaking rookie how are you gonna get upset with him for not knowing not to swing at a three oh when you're up by a thousand points, like I don't care. It, and who cares? It, you hit a home run, get over it. <laughs> it if you don't, if you don't want him to hit a home run on a three zero pitch, then don't get down three zero, and then don't just groove a fastball to him when you're down three zero. I don't care what the score is. Not even that. Don't guess, guess don't. what? Guess what? Guess what? Tatis gets paid by. He gets paid by his numbers, and that home run is just a home run. When he's trying to get more money, that's that all it is. is. And so don't I don't feed blame him, him a whatsoever. home run to his belt. You literally handed him a home run and said, "Hey, hit this out of the park." Why the hell not? I and the unwritten rules. I so baseball was my sport, and baseball was the sport that I grew up playing the most. It was the sport that I was the best at. Quite frankly, it was a sport that I thought I had a future in, and I hated the unwritten rules of baseball back then. Because unwritten rules aren't rules; they're just guidelines. It's like it's like Pirates <laughs> of the Caribbean. It's, there's there's they're suggestions. Not, they're not more like rules. They're they're more like uh, guidelines. So there's, no, there's suggestions. Let's be honest. There, there's suggestions. We suggest you don't hit a home run on three zero while you're up by nine in the ninth inning. But if you can, might as well. But if they're gonna groove a three zero fastball, swing away, my friend. <laughs> exactly. Swing away. If you can, might as well. <laughs> and guess what? After you hit that three oh bit pitch out over the fence, yeah, admire it. Yeah. Just just take a second, watch it fly <laughs> over. Do a bat flip. Throw the bat flip twenty feet in the air. I don't care. Maybe not that far, actually. I take it back. Maybe not that far. But still. It don't throw him a three oh fastball right down the middle. That's my argument. <laughs> Would you agree with Mark Fine saying that Nolan Arenado is better? Than Ronald Acuna Jr. Yes. 
I, so, so I don't. I, I know the name. I watched him play. I do think he's good. I did not watch enough baseball the last two years, other than like the first twenty Rockies games, to know if any third baseman or infielder right now what they look like. And so what I will say is that at this point in time, it's hard to say because of Nolan's injury, but if he comes back and he plays anything like he did before the injury, no, no, no one's better period. Um, And then if you look at if Okunia does this for years, then yeah. Okay. But you said it, we talked about it last week, last, last podcast. No one has won the gold glove at third base every year he's been in the majors and has three platinum gloves on top of that and five silver sluggers for third base and has been top three in MVP three of the five years or three of the eight years he's been in the league. Um, and so he he's he's the best third baseman in the league right now unless he doesn't stay healthy. So, All right, well, there Seth, you have it. Seth, are you <laughs> yeah. asking that question because Okunia Jr. is from your from your um, stomping grounds? Of course grounds? he is. Of course he is. <laughs> Partly yes, but I'm also I'm also part of me is also a- asking objectively. Like, is, is if there you a look at the contributions, coming out? oh, absolutely, a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> I will defend my Braves until the bitter end. Like, I just I, I look at it objectively. Like, I don't think that Nolan Arenado is a better player than Ronald Acuna is. Now, yes, Ronald Acuna has not been playing anywhere near as long as as uh, Arenado has, but I feel like in terms of what he's producing, what he's showing on the field, I feel like he's better. So I will say that last year he was the better player by far because no one didn't play and no one was throwing a fit and whatnot. So so it, it very well could be that no one's over the hill now. I don't know. But if I look at the last year that no one was healthy and played and compare it to last year's Okunia season, it, no one is still the better player, in my opinion. Now, if you want to throw the Coors Field effect BS at me, uh, I might give you something there. But I just know that I've watched a lot of baseball and I've played a lot of baseball. And some of the things that I've seen Nolan do, both at the plate and in the field, not I, I don't know another... I've, I've never seen a hu- another human being come anywhere close to doing what he does. Because I, I, I think Okunia is probably the better offensive player. I think he's probably a better, better at the plate the last several, even the last several years in Nolan. Um, and so the Coors field effect there, you know, I, I'll give that to you. I think Okunia is probably better there. Uh, and it'll be interesting to see what Nolan does away from Coors field this year. But what Nolan does defensively is just otherworldly. Like I, I, you watch his web gym package and I am just blown away. And I think, I think eight gold gloves in eight years and three platinum gloves kind of kind of backs me up there because that's not just a Coors Field thing. That's, you know, playing third base is playing third base everywhere. It's 90 feet to third base from home plate, no matter where you play. So right. uh, it, it, what he does defensively is just insane. Now, we'll see what he does after an injury and getting up there. I think he's 31 now which is a, a, the same age as me right now. So 
Uh, we'll see if that affects him. <clears throat> but but I do think that if he's anywhere near what he usually is at the plate, when you combine his offense and his defense, he's better than any third baseman out there. One last baseball question before we move on. Uh, it came out the other day that Major League Baseball is changing the drag coefficient on the baseballs in order to help reduce the number of home runs, or at least the clip at which they're being hit. Do you think it's going to matter? Where do you find this shit out? What do you do all day? <laughs> I don't understand. Like This came I out don't... On, the, on the ESPN the other day. <laughs> like, okay. I, I, I don't know what that means or what it's going to do. Like, I just know that offense has been up the last several years. So if is this going to reduce is this supposed to reduce offense or add to it? Yes. It's, it's supposed to deaden supposed the to baseballs it? a little bit. Yeah. Okay. So that there aren't quite as many home runs being hit. So yeah, according to a report, Major League Baseball slightly deadened its baseballs amid a years long surge in home runs. Well well what's be, the, it, there was a surge in home runs because they made the baseballs juiced. Uh, yeah, so, yeah. so this is just bringing it back to what it should be. So yeah, so they're saying that these new balls will fly one to two feet shorter on balls hit over 375 feet. And uh, then also something it goes on to say that more teams are going to add humidors to their stadiums. So yeah, wait, one to two wait, more feet. Do wait, you wait, think wait, this is going to make out, a time out, time out, time out, time out, time out, time out, time out. So <laughs> I, I've been to baseball fields. I've been to Coors Field. I've been to Wrigley Field. I've been to a whole bunch of professional fields. Humble a majority, over here. a majority of those fields are already over 375 feet for a home run. Yeah, like, like that, right. a 375 foot shot almost anywhere is going to be it a is, home run if it's down the lines, at least. Except Fenway, yeah. Wrigley, uh, a couple other places where you know you got that short because, porch. So for for one, Fenway cheats because they have that stupid 900 <laughs> foot freaking green monster. Um. The Astros cheat because they're they're ninety feet from third to home is not ninety feet. It's actually like seventy five only when they're on the field. Um, do I want to keep what going the hell with does this? That have to do with the, what does that have to do with home runs, Earl? Calm down, calm down. It's just so so. If you say one to two feet on balls over three hundred seventy five feet distance still from a home plate, that's 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 still a home run. A lot of places, so. It, it's just dumb. Baseball is just dumb right now. I hate baseball right now. <laughs> yeah. So in 2019, a home run was hit every, uh, basically on 6.6% of all plate appearances in 2019. And in the COVID you know shortened season. You know what else they're hit? What's that? They're also hit on a uh, 3-0 up by nine. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, six point five percent of uh, plate appearances resulted in a home run in the COVID shortened season. So, yeah, I don't, I don't know how much of a difference one to two feet is going to make, um, especially when you have short porches in a bunch of different places, and you've got guys so big, you know, so big now, like guys like Tatis and Trout and you know Acuna, Freddie, guys who can hit Freeman. the ball, you know, yeah, guys who can who can hit the ball four hundred, you know, fifty feet. You know, I don't know that's going to make a whole lot of difference. It'll be interesting to see at the end of the season um, what exactly happens there. So, uh, all right, you guys ready to get into uh, some soccer news? Yeah, I'm pretty sure Earl is. I'm pretty sure Jacob is, but Jacob's not sitting down right now. So, all right. So, um, 
as we all know, club owner and president Pete, Peter Trevisani is, is known for leaking news before it uh, is actually officially announced by the club or the USL. And Pete came out the other day on Twitter after he was, uh, un- after he was pardoned by RJ Montano as his last act as curse president. And I guess they, they tried to get hashtag Pete leaks going. Um, uh, so Peter did actually give us a couple of little tidbits of news. We will be having a friendly against the Oakland Roots SC, which I think is fantastic. Now, of course, no details on when or where. Uh, so if that's here, perhaps there's a chance that we get to see Sally uh, and, and Ben, who knows? And, and ben. then, yeah, I said Ben. Yeah. And uh, the other little tidbit in, you, Pete, in Peter's tweet is uh, uh, that when the upcoming season starts, we will, we will be in a group with seven clubs. So I think we kind of called that one a little bit. Um, we kind of said that when we did our predictions as to what the groups were going to be, that kind of came up. Are you surprised at all by, by either of these pieces of news? Not particularly. Um, like you said, we, we basically called the group that we were going to be in and it was, it was either going to be seven of us without Phoenix or eight of us with Phoenix. So no surprise there really that they put Phoenix in with the California teams like they did last year. So, so that makes perfect sense. And as far as the Oakland roots thing, I think that it just makes sense with two of our players going over there with them having a very similar vibe to us as far as art and soccer and um, community and everything like that. So, so no, I think that's a perfect fit. So nothing really surprising there. And, and, and I'm pretty excited about the Oakland because we weren't going to see them in a group. So so that'll be exciting that, that we can see them on the pitch. Hopefully it's – even if it's just broadcast on YouTube, like the the inner squad scrimmage ended up being or anything like that. So I'm excited for that. That'd be nice. Early, anything you want to add there? Or you want, do you still think we move on? Yeah, we can move on. I mean, it's – I mean, it's not really breaking news because eventually it's going to be announced, and it's just a friendly. I mean, yeah, it makes sense. I mean, it's you know, again, it's just it's Pete leaks. You know, Peter likes to put stuff out there. Hopefully, we can get Peter on the show here eventually and talk to him, and maybe he'll uh, maybe we'll get a leak or two uh, from Pete. So, uh, all right, moving right along. Uh, just announced yesterday, we'll start with this one here. The New Mexico United Academy is hosting open trials on March 13th and 14th. Um, registration will open for that at 10 a.m. on February 18th. Uh, according to the club release, um, the first ever open trials uh, will happen on the on both of those days, and they were only going to allow 50 players for each day. Um, in terms of like who's going to be allowed into it, um. Now there will be a wait list if you if you do not make it in there initially, um, so don't be discouraged by that. Keep an eye out if you're interested. Uh, we kind of knew this was coming, um, and I know there's been a lot of talk about you know will United be recruiting from around the state. Now a lot of the academy signings so far have been from the from the metro area. Um, do you think there's like a there's some untapped potential around the state somewhere, maybe down Las Cruces or up in Santa Fe or something, and? What type of what type of response do you think that these open trials are going to get? Do do all the slots fill? Oh yeah, I think they do. Um, I think that youth soccer 
especially since United has come about and has kind of kind of grown here. And and I I definitely think that that uh, there's talent out there all over the state um, that can be harnessed for this. So so one I don't I can't pinpoint an exact area. Uh, honestly, maybe like Farmington, um, Farmington, Shiprock, Bloomfield, those teams up there. Uh, as far as high school teams go, um, there's a lot of talent up there in a lot of sports. Uh, I played a lot of those teams in basketball and and baseball, and there's a lot of talented people up there. And I think it is kind of a overlooked part of the state. So, so maybe up there. And uh, yeah, um, we expected it. I expected to fill up pretty quickly, and there to be a wait list. And and I'm excited that they're having having open trials. So I'm the same. I'm the same with Jacob. Um, yes, I think it'll fill up quick. Um, I I would expect to see that registration fill up that very same day. Um, just because of the impact that United's had throughout the state, and every kid wants to be like their heroes. Um, so yeah, so I see that happening pretty quick. Pretty pretty fast rapid fire pretty much um to answer your second question is there is talent throughout the state um as many of you know i am on the youth soccer board the ayso soccer board so i get to travel around the state and talk to different ay hey jacob just just stop it just stop (laughs) you just you just keep dropping these humble brags over here and so so I get to travel to different areas and different regions and talk to different board members and stuff like that. Um, and yeah, some of those squads that they have out there are pretty incredible. Um, the future of New Mexico soccer, not United. Um, I'm talking like high school going into high school looks incredible. So yes, there is a ton of talent out there and I, can only hope and pray that those kids decide to go out for the Academy for United and build their skills that they already have. And speaking of some of that talent from around the state, United did also announce the other day their latest signing for the Academy squad uh, from Albuquerque High School, Andres Robles, another midfielder. Uh, let's say we're kind of stocking up on midfielders a little bit. Um, so maybe your uh, JPG replacements in there somewhere. Um, a couple oh, of years we may here. see them. It's already here. I'm not too worried <laughs> about it. So uh, congratulations to Andres uh, on signing for the Academy. Um, squad's really starting to shape up. Uh, I think, yeah, it's going to tie in really well to the Academy. Uh, the, the open tryouts. I think it's, I think, yeah, we're going to see some kids come out. Um, you know, again, we don't know details on when or where the academy is going to play. If it's going to be open to the public, um, or even just to to us as as you know, media folks, um, but it'll be interesting to see like how these kids develop and if any of them do make the move up to the first team at some point. All right, next bit of New Mexico United news. Um, so last i think it was last weekend last week uh new mexico united uh started a a campaign encouraging supporters to send letters to their local representatives uh in, and to show their support for the multicultural youth uh center stadium and in less than 24 hours 
over 10,000 letters were sent to lawmakers around the state um, showing support for the stadium. Uh, you know, we tweeted it out. Um, I know a lot of other places were, were retweeting it, putting the information out. Uh, it looks at like here the total number of uh, letters sent is 10,723 by individuals and more than 200 New Mexico businesses, uh, organizations, coalitions, collectives, and more signed a letter um, in support of this. I mean, we knew that this was going to be big. We knew that folks were going to really get behind this. And I think this just kind of blows everything out of the water. Can can we clarify something, though? Um, those 10,000 10, letters were sent by Albuquerque residents. Okay. Because I, I sent one, and I'm not an Albuquerque resident. Yeah, uh, according to the release the from the club. Oh, okay. So the survey that the team sent out through text, whatever the heck it was, um, you could text the five seven four four seven or some number, yeah. rent whatever number that was. Um, that survey was only for Albuquerque residents. No, I I got that same one. It didn't let me send it. It said it was <clears throat> not available in my area. Really? Because I put the eight eight one one nine zip code for Fort Sumner, and I I sent it in just fine. Yeah, it didn't let me. So I luckily I know my brother's address in Albuquerque. And then let me send it from that address. That's weird. Yeah, because I sent I, I didn't text the number. I guess I was I was I got sent an email, but I was relatively sure it was the same thing. So, um, but no, I used my my zip code here, and it worked just fine. So, um, either way, I think it's a great number. Um, you know, you don't usually get that many people taking time to do something like that, even though it was basically all pre set up, and I just basically filled out my information and then it sent the, the, the letter itself. But, um, <clears throat> we knew it, we know it's going to get crazy amount of support because United has a crazy amount of supporters. And I think the state, the city and the state in general are just kind of ready for it. So I'm, I, I will say that I would be surprised if we don't end up with a stadium at some point in the next five years. That's what I'll say. Yeah, we are inching ever closer to this. And from the club's release, it says letters were sent from every state and house district across New Mexico. And every and each lawmaker at the state level was notified of this. So if you fill that out and went to not only Michelle Lujan Grisham, but also went to your, uh, I believe, your state and house representative from your from your district as well. Um, yeah, it's just absolutely incredible. Uh, to see just the outpouring of support, uh, we know it's we know it's been surveyed well. We know it's uh, tested well, um, and I think yeah, I mean to show that much support in only twenty four hours, like that's just crazy. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I mean, if you, I mean, in a grander sense of things, it really is a almost a grassroots movement. What's happened here with the club from its inception through the first two seasons, and now you know pushing for a stadium. I mean, it's I mean, there's support out there like across the state and United keeps showing that. And I think there, you know, when the club first started, there were questions about, well, what's United, you know, what is United about it? You know, cause historically the United name, the, the, the name United was used for when like clubs were merging, 
or you know instead of folding like it became one entity in order to keep that from happening and i saw people questioning well there weren't clubs in new mexico before i guess they're not uniting anything so what does that unite i mean i mean but the club has preached it from day one it's this state this these communities like we are all united you know and not only supporting the state but now also supporting this club and what this club stands for yeah and i think the more that they do off the pitch in the community and we're we're about to get into it because i'm i'm ready i'm waiting to get into the roster and what i think it's going to look like actually on the pitch and so as long as they keep having success on and off the pitch like they are and just keep growing off that growing off you know making the playoffs getting a playoff win you know next year we'll see what happens but um it, it's just going to get bigger and bigger so <clears throat> it I, I love it i mean obviously i love it i wouldn't be doing a podcast every week during the season and every other week during the off season about something that I didn't love truly and deeply inside of my soul. So it's obvious that, that that's how I feel, but it, it's there's good reason behind why I feel like that. And I think that the survey for the supporter or for the stadium shows that I'm not alone in that love whatsoever. And the fact that you guys are here, the fact that love him or hate him, Chris Walker has a podcast and grew an, his own media thing out of it. The fact that we have hardly ze- we had hardly zero coverage um, when the first few weeks from local sources like the journal and KOAT and stuff like that. And then now it's like, if they don't do a United story every week on the news, I'm kind of surprised. So it, it it's just taken off and there's so many people that are behind it and so many people that are, really pushing for it that that this this club is going to get their own stadium it's going to be successful it's going to be a home run uh to use isotopes park as a little metaphor there and it's just it's awesome it's just i'm super excited i don't always agree with everybody else that's a soccer fan um i have learned that soccer is a very liberal agenda that while I'm not super conservative, I'm also not that liberal sometimes. So it's fun to me to see somebody and be like, oh, we are so different, so very different. But I love you because you love New Mexico United. And that is our little bond there. And I will look past any disagreements that I would have with you on several other things and I will hear your opinion on that on Facebook because everybody posts their opinion on that on Facebook. But at the end of the day, I will be like, yeah, but I don't care because you're a United fan. And and that's what brought us together. I did a story uh, the first year of Somosinos News when we had the paper uh, of uh, Javier Abondo and Ryan. Oh, I'm so sorry, Ryan. I don't. It's Hebert or Herbert. I can't remember. But um, yeah, but they... They are completely different. They they didn't really hang out before United. They Ryan is as conservative as they come, and Javier is about as liberal as they come. And I sat down with them in the same room and talked to them about the bond that they have shared over soccer and how they have grown to love and respect each other so much through that. And that's what I think that the United mantra, it really 
really hits home on is, you know, you're taking people that do not see eye to eye on hardly anything and you're bringing them and their families together because of this. And I don't know what their relationship is like now. I need to do a follow-up on them because since then we have had some very political moments um, that I know they disagreed on. So, but, but the first year anyways, that's what it was. And it was an awesome story to do. Uh, I sat in a room at, they work both work in an architecture kind of design place downtown. We sat in an upstairs office and did it on their lunch break and, or my lunch break, I guess it was. And uh, it was great. So I can't wait to, to be able to see more people, see people in the stands, learn, find stories like that again. Cause I really missed doing that this past year with no, with COVID and everything, it was impossible to do that kind of stuff. So, so I can't wait to do that again and, and just see how, who's being united and everything like that. It's just, I love it. You talked about the lack of coverage that the club had the first couple of weeks of their inaugural season. And, you know, that's, I mean, that's how, you know, that's how you guys got involved. So almost Anita's got going. Uh, that's how I got involved writing for ESPN radio and, uh, you know, writing alongside Chris Walker. Um, and honestly, like, I think it was, it was after the, right after the first win, I think I went out to like KOET's website and literally they had like a two sentence article on the match. And that was, yeah. yeah, that's all there was. And so, you know, I, I was like, where is the coverage of this team? Like, there's just nothing out there. ESPN radio wasn't doing it. KOET, like I said, just a blurb. There wasn't a whole lot. I don't think, I don't even think the journal had anything like really going at that point. And so I just, yeah, I tweeted out. No, I remember they had, yeah, they, the journal had like a section like this big, like one little column, like this big on the, Oh, sorry. This is an audio form, huh? So about this big is like four inches by an inch, just like a little little newspaper column. Uh, I don't remember if that it wasn't after our first game. It was after like our fifth or sixth. And, you know, we were we didn't lose until like our ninth. So it was right in the middle of that. And still just a little little tiny blurb. Yeah. And that was it. Yeah, I just, I, you know, like I said the first win, there was like no coverage. I went looking for it. There was nothing there. So I tweeted out at a bunch of different places and like Van Tate actually responded to me. So oh, there's coverage. I went and looked. I'm like, that's not coverage, you know? And then, you know, the radio station reached out to me, asked me to send them a writing sample. That's how I got involved. And so I've just been doing it ever since, you know? And uh, yeah, I, it's just, it's absolutely incredible. The things that this club has done and the leadership has done around the state and just brought so many people together. I mean, Honestly, I don't, I've never been to a sporting event or really any event here in New Mexico with as many people as I've seen it. Even like the, you know, that one like rainy Wednesday night match that we had, you know, and then to see 15,000 plus yeah, people the first, there. That was the first win. Yeah. yeah. You know, like it's just insane what this club has done. And, you know, going here into season number three, there's a lot of excitement. Uh, there's a lot of things to look forward to. And the newest reason is not the Shorn Brown, but we do have another Jamaican coming in. We had to fill our quota. Hey, I, I guess got, I got the last name. <laughs> you did. You did call the, you did call the last name. Uh, so when, when, the, when this was being 
teased. Jacob told us he, th- he thought it might be Deshaun Brown. Uh, so we went and did some research on that. Quickly found out that Deshaun Brown had just signed with another club. But uh, United did announce the signing of Brian Brown, the 2018 MVP for Reno 1868. Uh, in another, Brian is, of course, another forward, another Jamaican. He played last season over in, and over in the Albanian Soccer League. Um, for a pretty good club over there, but uh, he was last seen here in the States in through 2017-2019 when he was with Reno 1868. Uh, according to Wikipedia, he had 27 goals and 64 appearances then. He's been around the league a while. Um, I think this is a guy that Troy knew before. I could be mistaken there. So, um, But yeah. Yeah, I, he, I, he coached him in Charlotte. Yeah, I, that's what I thought. Uh, but I think this is a great signing. Uh, another uh, dynamic forward, someone who can score. Um, it does start to bring into question, though. What are we going to look at? Look like we've got we brought in Ilya, uh, we brought in Ilya Illich. We've now got Brian Brown. Uh, we're going for some alliteration, apparently. Apparently, um, so we we've got a number of guys that are coming in. We've we've still got Dev. We've got you know we've got Mondo. What do we look like? What do you guys think of first? I mean, first of all, what do you guys think of the signing? And secondly, how does what does our formation structure look like? Do we see like some bigger changes to the, to the 11 or um, what do we think happens? Go ahead, Earl. Cause I might talk for a while. Shocker. I know. I know. <laughs> so I actually like this signing um, only because. I hope so. um, hey, you, would you like to talk first? <laughs> no, sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> um, so like I was saying, I like this signing because for one, he can score goals. I mean, 28 goals for Reno, um, 49 goals total, not counting the one or two that he had for national team. I think it was one for national team. Um, the fact that he could play the midfield, he could play attack, he could play a wing. I mean, he has some assists from the wing spot. Um I, I like it because it brings that kind of talent. Um, do I still think that he's the best signing of the offseason? No. I still stand by my initial claim that Ilya Illich is the best signing of the offseason. Um, you guys can agree with me. You guys can disagree with me. Um... Personally, the worst signing of the offseason was JPG, but we'll get back to that later on. Um, no, but I, like I said, I like it because it brings the goal scoring aspect back from where we were lacking with with Bees leaving last season. Um, yeah, that's about it. So. I don't know. Looking, I have the the USL Championship website pulled up here, and I've got the the transfer tracker on there, and I've got it scrolled down to our section. So it has our basically our current roster on there, and I've been staring at it basically since we started the podcast. Going, who is the biggest newcomer that I see here? And they're all so good that I don't know. Like the only one that I would have like a notch below the rest is Alex just because he's going to be a rookie and I don't know what to expect from him. 
but what I saw from him at Penn, I was pretty impressed with. So I don't know if he's going to be worse, that much worse than any of those other new signings or not. I don't know what's going to happen there. But, but Brian to me is, he might not have been the biggest piece, but I think he's like the last piece of the puzzle that just, it just solidifies us as a championship contender to me. It, it, if you look at, to me, what he is, is he is Romeo Parks, but he can finish. And if you look at what Romeo did last year, he had chances galore. And he had some beautiful goals. That header against Phoenix from way outside the box when he caught Lubin cheating up and put it, headed it over Lubin's face and just into the back of the net was beautiful. Brian can do that multiple times. I, I think we're going to see if we play a full season of 30, what is it? 32 or 34? 32. 32. If we play 32 games, he's, he's 15 goals to me. Easy. And that's what we were missing was somebody up top. Like Devin's great at hold up play and kind of creating from up there a little bit and, and finishing on certain, uh, certain times. But, but Brian is going to be just, as far as finishing goes and goal scoring is just going to be a step above that. And if Illich gets to form like he had in Louisville, aside from last year in Indy, when he was a little wounded um, to have him there and then to have Harry Schwartz and Sergio Rivas and Isidro Martinez creating and finishing. And then you add Amando, who was our best offensive player last year, arguably like, this offense can finally catch up to the defense that we had last year that hasn't really changed. And, and I'm, I am beyond excited for our potential next year. Is there a reason why I left out, is there a reason why I left out Michael Azira? No, I, 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 I don't, I didn't leave him out for any reason in particular. It was just younger kind of players that I have followed a little more, closely and i know the name michael azira and i've i i've read the resume it's very impressive um i know he's up there in age he's actually older than david or david um which it makes me chuckle a little bit so so we'll see i think i mentioned it in the group chat uh it, it was either a group chat or it was on on a comment or something where it was i i loved the signing from a personnel standpoint and like a locker room standpoint I wanted to make sure that he had more in the tank than what I thought David had, uh, especially that first year. That first year, I just was never really impressed with David. Last year, he he was solid, but so so I think he's going to make a huge impact in a lot of ways. I don't think you're going to see 90 minutes from him, game in and game out for all 32 games, like you could Schwartz and Rivas and some of these younger legs. So so there's not a reason why I left him out, other than I'm not. I'm not as excited for him from an on the pitch attacking perspective. Um, so, so can I clarify something real quick? Yeah, of course. Azira is actually younger than David. Is he? By I like, swore he was a year older. By like six months. I I could sorry I I I thought he was a year older for sure, but anyways, he's up there like David was. So, so we'll see. I don't I don't know. Either way, you look at it, and 
I look at the roster and I go, I have no idea what formation we're going to be in. And I have no idea who's starting because to look at this list of one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19 players. I don't know who I leave on the bench. Like, I really don't. I think the only one that we can really pencil in that's going to start the majority of matches are Kalen and Cody, just like last year. And then after that, it's like, okay, well, say we play a 4-4-2. So you got Kalen, and then do you have do you have Rashid, or do you have Schmidt next to him? You have one of those two next to him, probably. I don't know which one. Could be either one. Either one, I think we're going to be fine. Then you're like, okay, well, who else is back there? You got Suggs on one side, but Suggs is kind of injury prone a little bit. He misses some time every once in a while. So, okay, you have Austin. You got Brucey. You got, who else am I missing? Maybe we could use some some depth over there <laughs> now that I think about it, since we don't have Najim back. But still, I. and then you got the midfield. Earl's favorite player, Juan Pablo Guzman over there. You got Hamilton, because I thought Hamilton was a very, very good defensive midfielder for us. You got Brucey. You got Harry Schwartz, Sergio Rivas, Isidro Martinez, and Michael Azira coming in. Uh, we, I, I hadn't, I didn't snap that we added so many midfielders uh, until today. Honestly, how when I was looking at it, I was like, oh. But you also have midfield. you also have Brian midfield. Brown because he could play left mid. Yeah, but I, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna not. Not now. I'm gonna say it. I'm not gonna waste Brian Brown over there. Like Brian Brown, I feel like is is the top of the snake with Devin, uh, the head of the snake with Devin, or Illich or Mondo, or all three of them up there. I don't know, but he's going to be the goal scorer for like if he doesn't lead the league in goal or lead the lead the club in goals, I'll be shocked. That's just my opinion. That's what I. That's what I. And getting from what I watched of him in Reno that first year, it's what we're missing as a club, in my opinion. Uh, somebody that can just finish and be that spark. So it, I have him up there all the time. I, I don't think he's going to come down from there. Mondo, I could see on the wing. Illich, maybe even like in a B's role, in a number 10 role, something like that. But Brian, I see up on top with Dev or instead of Dev every game. To me, I could be wrong. I'm not a soccer coach, but that's what I envision. So uh, you just, you look at the club and you just, these signings, it's similar to last year. Like last off season, we, we raved about these moves because they took player. We, we lost players that really were kind of second tier and replaced them with freaking studs like Kalen Ryden and Amando Moreno. And yeah, we lost a couple that first year when Santi and Kev, but, and, and, you know, as much as I hate to say it, because in my predictions for last year, I predicted that we weren't going to lose goal scoring and offense, but we actually kind of did like Kevon for, for all of the flaws that I thought he had, he finished. He, he put the goal in, he put the ball in the back of the net period. And I don't think we really had that person last year. I think Romeo was supposed to be, but never did. So you add Brian Brown in the Kavan Romeo spot from the last two years, 
and he's right there on par with Kevon or better. Then you add Rivas and Amando and all this to that first year club now, and and I I just see where I think we're going to see a drastically better offense from last year. And maybe the only thing we need to do is try to get a few more few more on that back line just for depth purposes. And and a player that I'm still holding out hope for. I haven't heard any rumors. This is not reported. I would just love to see Ish Jom on our team. Um, and I've mentioned him from the beginning of the offseason, and he still hasn't signed uh, as of last week, I think it was. So I see both of you going for the screen, probably to check and make sure he's still available. Um, and, and, and if he is, I want him on this team so bad because he plays that Austin Yearwood, Josh Suggs type position that we kind of need right now. So you brought up something that was going to be a question of mine. You know, the roster currently sits at 21, including our, our keepers. Uh, we still don't know about uh, David Najem. We still don't know about Andrew Tenari. Um What happens? So, so I I have it on pretty good authority that Tanari's probably not coming back. Okay. All right. So if that's the case, it leaves us at 20. Um, we know that Troy typically likes a smaller squad. Um, I think we ran, we had what, 21, 22 last year. I'd have to uh, double check that number, but, um, do we see any more signings before the, before, well, preseason or even the regular season kicks off? Um, or do we see any other departures? Um, I, I would like to see more signings, um, especially with the USL invitation cup. Because it's not an open cup, it's invite only. Um, with the USL Cup, whatever heck you want to call it these days. US. Mar- US. Same damn thing. Listen, I call it the USL Cup because USL teams always run a freaking muck in there. Last year we had two USL teams run freaking wild. Um, I do see some more signings. Maybe in the back line, like Jacob was saying, maybe another midfield that can play back line. Um, I don't see any other departures happening other than the two that are pretty much at this point obvious. Yeah, I agree. I think I so I have it at nineteen. I I I'm not counting Tanari, uh, for sure. And seeing as we haven't heard anything from Najem's camp. Um, or anything about Najim, I'm. It's safe to say he's probably gone. Most of the time, if you've not been announced this long, you're probably not coming back. So, for that sake, I will say he's not coming back. But I, I do think we get to 23, 22, 23, somewhere in there, which would put us at three or four more, um, from the 19 that we currently have. Uh, and I do think we need to add some to the back line so I could see a couple defenders coming in, um, maybe one or two. And then anything else on top of that? I think we see a couple more rookies because at the moment I just have the Alex signing as our only rookie. Um, so maybe one or two more rookies or younger players uh, coming from somewhere. So so I think we finish around 22, 23 players. I think we add another defender. I don't think Najem or Tanari are coming back. Um, but 
looking at the roster now, we've got 19 quality starters, in my opinion, um, from what I've seen. Maybe maybe Alex needs to earn that right, but um, from what I've seen from him, uh, I'll go ahead and give it that. I'll give it. I'll give that to him already. Uh, so so who knows? We he might be a starter. He might not. But we have we have such quality right now, uh, from what I've seen of the new signings and what I know about them and everything like that, that I think we're, we're in really, really good shape for February 16th. And, and I can't wait for preseason and, and training to start and, and uh, hopefully really get to see what, what coach is thinking about formation wise and, and starters and, and how he kind of values everybody on the club. Yeah, these last few weeks leading up to preseason are going to be very interesting. Um, to talk real quick about Ish Jom, um, I looked a couple different places. There's no indication anywhere. And of course, the USL does not typically disclose uh, contract status. Um, so, yeah, who knows? Who knows? Um, he could be an interesting body to bring in. Um, I, I'm obviously going to have to do some more research to see if there are any other names that, you know, catch my eye, you know, so to speak, um, as potential signings for the club. Um, but yeah, it, it will be interesting to see, uh, where Troy and the club and the club go over here in the next few weeks leading up to the season. And as we know, the USL transfer when basically transfer window is open all season long. Um, so yeah, it's going to be really interesting to see what happens. See if we bring anyone else in. Um, you, uh, you brought up open cup. This is something we didn't talk about last time. Um, the 2021 U.S. Open Cup is returning. It is the 107th iteration of the national soccer tournament here in the States. Um, they've announced that only 24 clubs will be attending this year. Um, so, yeah, like, like Earl said, by invite only. Um, they did announce the breakdown of, of how many clubs are going from each um here and i believe it's either six or eight from the usl so um yeah it's gonna be real it's gonna be real interesting to see what happens with that um you know of course as yeah, you know, so it's United... eight teams from usl championship and mm-hmm. two teams from usl one okay so yeah that's uh that's, that's 10 of the 24 spots already taken up there by usl i think mls gets what six they either get six or eight um, and then the rest goes to like um, uh, NPSL open open division clubs uh, again by invite only. So um, we don't know what criteria they're going off of. Um, I think it's going to be interesting to see who gets in. Obviously, I would think Atlanta United. I think Toronto. Um, I think what, Seattle possibly. Um, so I don't know. That's going to be really interesting to see. That's going to kick off, I believe, in in uh, in May. So, um, yeah, I think that I think that's going to just about do it. That's all the news that I had. Uh, you guys, got anything you want to add to tonight's show? Um, the MLS regular season starts April seventeenth. Yep. Yeah, that's there. Soccer is around the corner. Uh, Premier League is still going going on. They're winding down. Bundesliga is getting towards the end of their season as well. Um, so yeah, there's going to be lots of stuff to watch for champions league. I think what final 16 is coming up. So, yeah. um, yeah, lots of stuff to yeah, watch. They for just started subscriptions. 
Go ahead. They just started this last week and uh, or last yesterday, I think it was. I saw the PSG. PSG destroyed Barca uh, yeah. in their first leg. So, um, yeah, I think I I just cannot express enough how excited I am about the New Mexico United season, and and um, you know we were hyped coming off the off season last year um, that we had, and and I think we just continue to to get better on paper. Uh, how that translates to the pitch, we'll have to see, but. Uh, I think it could be like next or last year where we had kind of a growing pain type thing and we kind of came into our own and then uh, just had a really good team. So I'm really excited about that. Uh, I, I could I could probably gush about Brian Brown and, and the new signings and and just snowball from there about what I think could happen this next coming year. But but we still have when when does the regular season start? April April to May, somewhere in there. Second week of last week of April, first week of May, somewhere in there. So, so we have plenty of time to talk about it. Uh, I'm sure we'll have like official season preview stuff when we actually see what the final roster basically shakes out to be and what the schedule is, and and we can go through the teams that we're going to be playing and kind of break them down. I I've been doing that a little bit. I got to say, uh, nobody in our group that we kind of thought was going to be in our group uh, really scares me to be completely honest with you. Um, San Antonio is going to be solid, but not, I don't think they're going to be great. Um, El Paso, whatever. Colorado Springs, Real Monarchs, Austin, Tulsa, or not Tulsa, Austin. What's the other one? In RGV. So, there we go. So, uh, so the one that I would keep an eye out for is RGV. Yeah, I, I'm curious to see what they do because right now the USA website only has them with like three players, right? Um, and so that that's it's interesting to see what they decide to do. But at the same time, you look at the names that are no longer free agents that they couldn't get or didn't try to get or whatever. Um, the the talent pool that's left available is kind of shrinking. So um, it depends on what they have with Dallas. Uh, if they are affiliated with Dallas or, or if they get affiliated with somebody else, I don't know what's going on in that, on that front for them. But um, I, I just, I'm not, I don't look at it and go, Oh, they're better than us to anybody in our group. I look at the group out West though, on the coast and man, that group is freaking stacked because Sacramento looks solid. San Diego went out and added, a couple of really good players. Phoenix is always going to be near the top. Um, Orange County with Weehan. Oakland coming in with some good signings, whether it's Ben and Salih or a few others over there. Like I think that group's going to be hell to play in. Um, and, and that worries me for the playoffs a little bit because I'm kind of one of the guys that is like, okay, you need to be tested in the regular season before you get to the playoffs. And so I hope we're tested. I hope some of the teams that I'm thinking aren't going to be that good in our division or in our group kind of step up and actually are. But just nobody scares me on paper right now. So I can't wait to to really dig into what the schedule is and and predictions and and stuff like that. I think we'll we'll get a couple other guys on here, not on the podcast, but we'll get a couple other guys and girls and do a similar 
similar Q and a preview, uh, like we did last year. Cause I thought that was, uh, really fun to do. And, and, um, I can't wait for that. I can't wait for a lot of things. So, um, with that being said, uh, I ain't got nothing else. I'll cede the floor to you guys. And then if you guys got nothing else, I'll wrap it up. So here's why, here's why I said, um, to keep an eye out for RGV. They did just hire back their first ever head coach mm. who took them to the conference finals and was second place in that in the conference. Yeah. But with what players is he gonna have to work with this year is my thing. Cause their roster isn't there right now and the talent is being signed left and right throughout the league right now. So um I'm ex- I'm excited for what Ron's gonna build over there in the long run. I'm just not super scared of them this year. So and they, they might change. That might change. I don't know. But I will definitely keep an eye on them for why why you said and then because of Ron. Because I I, I trust in Ron uh to turn that thing around. So um yeah, but but for this year I just I don't see it. So with that being said, unless Earl wants to talk about Baker Mayfield being better than Patrick Mahomes or uh, his hate for Juan Pablo Guzman, because that's that is what he is famous for is Juan Pablo Guzman hate and thinking that Baker Mayfield is going to be the face of the NFL in three years. So, so here's the thing. So I do have to let everyone listening know that I don't appreciate this Valentine's Day text or tagging on Facebook that I got saying you're the one. Oh, I did that. I did that. Yeah, I was one of them. I don't know how many you got, but I'm one of them, and I freaking loved it. I got quite I a few. Loved it so much. I got quite a few. Good, good. I'm glad that it's getting out there that you're slander. And normally, with your Juan Pablo Guzman slander, I'm like, eh, eh. I don't care for him as a player, but I don't hate him like you do. But that freaking tweet that you sent us the other day of the Kevon Freighter goal, I think it was. Um, in the oh, open wait. cup, Juan Pablo and he's like, laboring, like like standing at midfield, like acting like he's dying. Oh man, I had I was in tears for that one. I was in tears for that one. But but other than that, I think your hate goes a little too far. But that one was good. I'll give so, you. So so here's my point. I'm not sure who I hate more, Pat Mahomes or Juan Pablo. But with all that being said. Oh my God. I, I'm almost certain, and I'm willing to say, that Baker Mayfield would have thrown a touchdown in the Super Bowl. Not behind that offensive line, bro. <laughs> he would have died behind that offensive line. He he played an entire game with his coach playing Madden on the sidelines. The coach doesn't protect you when you drop back to pass. The coach was not even on the sideline. I'm not. I'm not. <laughs> It's two Good. different things. I'm not getting yeah. not getting worked up right now. Not not doing it. I'm cutting you off. I'm closing this podcast and I'm not going to mention another word. I'm sorry I even brought it up. Sorry I even look, brought it up. Look, look. No. So, no. No. So Seth, so, can, did you mute him? Seth, can you mute him? So here's the thing. I can't mute him. I don't have the power. Here's how this works. I'm making sure I don't get I muted. could, but I want to hear this out. Here's how this works and then and then you could close out. I still think that Baker's better than Pat Mahomes. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is why you come to this podcast. That is why you come to get these crazy hot Earl takes and 
to laugh at him, frankly, just to laugh at him and and move on. So <laughs> with that being said, guys, um, I love doing this. Uh, it's a great escape uh, from everything else going on. Get to talk about sports with you two guys. I'm thankful for New Mexico United being able to bring us three together uh, in a roundabout way through failures and successes and adventures everywhere we look and um to the listeners i thank you guys for for listening to us and sticking with us and um tell your friends you know share it get it out there um if you're listening to us every week you obviously think it's worth listening to so tell tell everybody that you think it's worth listening to at least at least tell them to give us a shot i know we're not everybody's cup of tea trust me but um i think it's entertaining i think between curmudgeon and hot takes over here um everybody has a little bit a little bit of the pie there and um other than that guys just tune in in a couple weeks we'll be back hopefully with a couple new signings maybe a bit more news um football's over obviously i i don't want to talk about baseball in two weeks but we probably will uh because curmudgeon over there thinks it's america's pastime still and um just come back, have some fun, watch us make fools of ourselves. Um, and, and yeah, just let us know what you think. You can send us emails, uh, Seth, Earl, and Jacob at dadventuresmedia.com. You can see us on Instagram, uh, Facebook, Twitter. Um, just if you want to talk to us, you know where to find us. Um, and until next week when we hear more about Baker Mayfield and Juan Pablo Guzman. Uh, so we'll You've been listening to Suncast, the official podcast of Somos Unidos News. All of our shows are recorded live from Albuquerque and Los Lunas, New Mexico, are written and produced by Seth Bidoff and Jacob Terrell, and are edited by Seth. Special thanks to Jeff, too, on YouTube for the music you hear in every episode. All episodes are recorded and edited using Clean Feed and Audacity. All of our shows are proudly hosted on Pinecast.